Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's guest saw an issue among her peers, like so many entrepreneurs. Basically, no one could find good quality, cozy sheets for their new apartments post-college. And so she sought to change the industry. And she did. Nine years and $150 million in revenue later, RELK, founder of Parachute, has disrupted the home and textile industry. I cannot wait to share her story with you. But before we get into today's episode, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. With just a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. This podcast is my twice-weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is the show I wanted 13 years ago when I myself became a female founder accidentally. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through your own endeavors, I invite you to reach out. Simply email me, lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at lindsaypinchuk. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. Text it with a friend, share it in your stories. If you tag me at lindsaypinchuk or at dearfoundher, I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left us a five-star rating or review, as that is how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here. So today's guest, Ariel Kay, is the founder of Parachute. I'm sure you have seen it. It is a home and lifestyle brand focused on creating a culture committed to wellness and social responsibility. Since launching in 2014, Ariel has evolved Parachute from a small digitally native offering of premium bedding into a beloved lifestyle brand with best-selling essentials for every room in the house. Parachute also has 20 brick and mortar locations across the country, as well as a recent retail expansion into the Canadian market with Hudson's Bay Company. Within the Parachute community, Ariel has created a culture committed to wellness and kindness, recently announcing the brand's dedication to sustainability and climate-neutral certification. Beyond her design and business acumen, Ariel is spearheading a movement around comfort, both in Parachute stores and for customers all across North America. Ariel K is a force, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. So come on in. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, your host, and I am so excited about today's guest because I have watched her from afar for a very long time, 
And I'm so excited to hear her story from her mouth. So Arielle K, founder and CEO of Parachute, welcome to Dear Found Her. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'd love for you to tell us in your words about your story. How did you start this company? Tell us what Parachute is for those people who don't know. Give us the skinny. Sure. So Parachute is a home lifestyle brand. Um, We have been around uh, nine years um, as of January 16th, 2023. So we're coming up um, to on our another anniversary mark. Um, And we sell really everything that's soft and cozy within the home. And now we're starting to sell things that are harder and also cozy, like furniture and lighting and um, things like that. But we, we are really a brand that believes in comfort and quality. um, And we manufacture and design and, and do this direct to consumer. We also have 23 stores that are open today and quite a few more opening soon. Um, But to backtrack to where I started and where I've been, um, I've had sort of an unconventional journey. Um, I worked at a number of different jobs out of college. I went to college in New York. Um, I worked in PR. I worked in advertising. I worked in fashion. I worked in music business. I really have had this like insatiable curiosity for learning and getting my hands dirty. Um, I landed after grad school at a big advertising agency doing strategic side of creative, which meant I was doing a lot of consumer behavior research um, and really thinking about how to motivate, inspire, and connect with consumers, um, which I loved. Um, But after a few years of doing that and being in this big agency world, um, I really wanted to make a bigger difference. And I had a bunch of friends that were starting early stage company or joining early stage start companies or starting their own companies. And I just was so into it. Like I just saw them feeling so passionate about what they were doing and, you know, canceling on all their dinner plans so that they could work more. And which all sounds like masochistic, but to me, it sounded great. Um, And I felt like now's the time. So originally I thought I would join an early stage company, um, but things had other plans. So I, um, the other part of my journey is that I've always been obsessed with home and design. Um, I started an interior design blog when I um, was in grad school in 2006, and I've just been really passionate about creating beautiful spaces. And um, so when I decided I was going to leave the advertising world, I had this aha moment um, where I realized I could merge, like, what if I could merge my interest in home and design and in brand building and do something that combined those passions and interests and like how fulfilling would that be? And when I had this blog, I, I basically had started helping people decorate their apartments in New York, um, and I was always redecorating mine. And so I became a super consumer, which led me to this like specific path of sheets. Um, but I, I realized that there was no brand in this category. There were no places to shop in store that felt elevated or um, interesting. Um, but really, there was no brand. Like people could tell me where they bought their sheets. No one could tell me what brand was on their bed. Um, anyway, it became a very obvious fit for me. And at a time where direct-to-consumer businesses were really getting started and there was a lot of visibility and excitement around this new shopping behavior and shopping model. So anyway, that's a very long-winded way of saying, um, I finally figured out how to do what I loved. And um, and that was so exciting and empowering. And I, um, I left my job in February of 2013, immediately went to visit 15 factories throughout Portugal and Italy, um, came back like completely obsessed with this idea. Um, There's something about being on the factory floors and watching these products go from a piece of fiber to a finished product that just blew my mind. And um, I was off to the races, if you will. (laughs) So 
did you leave your job before you had an actual product before you had a brand out there? But I mean, I mean, you, you were just like, I'm done and I'm going to do this. I basically started the new year. I, this idea had come to me at the end of 2012. And I remember having dinner or lunch, no, maybe dinner with a friend of mine. Um, at, I know exactly. Anyway, we don't have to get into all the specifics, but I remember <laughs> having dinner with a friend and being like, I have this idea. And he was like, this is a great idea. Um, and I, I, you know, new year's happened. It was 2013. And I realized I was like fully consumed. Like I couldn't think about anything else. I was doing so much research. I was trying to get in touch with people that worked in textiles or worked in retail. I was like, I had blinders on to everything else. And so I started working on a pitch deck and like what a brand would look like. And just like really putting pen to paper around everything that I thought I knew and, and needed to know and all of that. Yeah. I'd made like a very silly decision to leave my job and to, um, to do this full time, which I don't necessarily recommend at that stage, but I was, I was so consumed. I also, I was living in New York. I'd been in New York for almost 10 years and I was really contemplating this move back to LA. And so I left, I moved, I went back to LA where I'm from, um, and decided that this was where I wanted to be. I was like, you know, I happened to go home in February or something and it was like 80 degrees and I was sitting outside in a bathing suit, like on my computer. And I was like, I think this is going to work for now. Um, so you know how to build a brand, obviously that's what you did in your corporate job, but did you know how to manufacture a product and how no, to get oh my gosh, no. off the Right. So like, no. how okay. did you know how to do this? Like, so I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I never worked in retail. I had never designed a product. Um, I knew how to like talk to customers, but I didn't really know how to build a brand. I mean, I'd seen brands get built, but I was working mostly with big established brands like American Express. Like I was working with big, big brands with big budgets. Like I wasn't seeing the inner workings of how these things come together and, and, are like originally founded. Um, I did have friends that were working in startups and at early stage companies. And I felt like through osmosis, I was like learning and I got like a inside scoop. I also had been spending a lot of time going as a representative of my agency to um, South by Southwest and all these consumer conferences and stuff. So I was like, I was in the mix, you know, I was, I definitely... Um, and I was inspired, like more than anything, I was just so inspired. But yeah, I mean, I was like Googling, like, how do you do anything? Like, I mean, you know, empty, whatever, fill in the blank. I was, I mean, I was clueless, um, but I was determined. And I think um, as a founder, you know, for, at least for me, like people are like, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? I'm like, you kind of have to like take that off the table. Like, like for me, it was literally consuming. Like I could not think about anything else. Like I was a hundred percent positive that this was a great idea and I felt it in my bones and I could not shake it. So like, to me that I, I, it wasn't even work. It was just, I mean, it was hard and it was soul crushing. And there were days where I was like, I'm never getting out of bed again. Like I can't do this, but you know, I was, I was, I was in it. Like I was going to get this thing off the ground. If it worked, it worked. If it didn't, I'd work at advertising again, but I was determined. You know, so. I felt like that too. Like when I left corporate America the first time to start yeah. my first company, I said to myself, like, I got to just, I got to leave at this point. I can't do both things anymore. I, I had just become a new mom. I had this company. I was going to work every single day. And I said to myself, like, what's the worst that happens? Well, I go back to an advertising. I worked in advertising too. Yeah. I, I, I'll go back to an advertising job. And I think you, to your point, you get to that point when you are fully consumed and you, you've used that word now multiple yeah. times, that yeah, expression. Totally. when you're fully consumed, that's all you want to do. Yeah. Right. Like all, you were probably just 
thinking about this all the time, like until you fell asleep at night when you woke up in the morning, right? Yeah, I was barely sleeping. I mean, I was just, I was so into it. And I also felt like it's now or never. Like I was at a point at my in my life, like I was like, this is, this is a now moment. Like this is not like a, let's punt this off for a few years. Like, you know, I was like, I am... 30. I need to do this now. Like at some point I will have kids. And I know that like, that will make it more challenging, which I hate to even say it loud because I actually firmly disagree that that's the truth at this point. I've had friends start companies while they're pregnant, but like, but for me, that's, that was my mentality at yeah. that point. I was like, you didn't know, you didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah. Um, except that I needed to do this. So what did that first year look like before you launched after you quit your job? Like what, like how did you fill your days? And like, how did you get to a point where you're like, okay, we're going to launch. So I I did this trip to Europe. So, and I identified a factory to work with. So I had a partner to work on a product, um, which, you know, that was one box. Um, I I knew, I mean, there was a lot of things first. I like thought I had this like very idealistic version of how this is going to play out where I was going to just like raise a bunch of money. I was able to pay myself salary. I was going to be able to like, you know, hire people to help me that like knew what they were doing. And obviously, I mean, I like was basically laughed out of everyone's office when I was like, do you want to invest in a company that doesn't exist yet? And I've never done this before. And you know, um, (laughs) people were not into that. So I, um, you know, I got a lot of like good idea. Let's see what happens when you progress. And I was like, how do I progress without money? That's like a chicken and an egg scenario. Like I can't, I can't do this without capital. So I ended up, um, I spent that summer working with a, a design partner to help build a website. I was working with a factory to kind of finalize the product samples. And, um, I was, um, talking to friends. I was just like trying to learn how to do this. I mean, this is also like before Instagram, this is before a lot of these brands, like a lot of the ways that a lot of brands are going to market and like building buzz didn't exist. Um, I hired a PR person to kind of help me think about, pitch strategy. I spent a lot of time in PR or like early in my career. And I knew that PR, like, especially for launch moments could be very valuable. Um, but then I joined an accelerator program, which was a big part of my, like getting from point A to point B. Um, I was through that accelerator program. I got a $25,000 check. I was able to buy my first batch of inventory. I was all of a sudden introduced to this community of entrepreneurs who were all at a similar stage as me. We were all in very different businesses, but I realized, like we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all going to try to figure out how to acquire customers. We're all going to try to figure out how to raise capital. We're all trying to get like product market fit. Um, I got a desk at this like accelerator program office, which was incredible for me getting out of my, you know, space and like having a place to go every day and which gave me purpose. Um, And I started getting mentorship through their community. Like I just, that, that transition into that moment gave me, just like a whole new world of hope. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a lot of Google searches. I mean, I remember getting finally the inventory arrived and I was like, I don't even have boxes. Like, I'm, I, what am I, like, I, how do I get boxes? Like branded boxes? Like, I mean, everything was just like, how do I do this? Um, and luckily there's a lot of information on the internet. And I also found that um, people were so generous with their time. Once I got out of my way, because I was really intimidated by asking for help. And I didn't want people to see that as a weakness, which is like so silly. And one of the things that I always tell people is just like asking for help is the biggest form of strength, like knowing where you need support and knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at is actually like, that is a superpower. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was able to get in front of a lot of really helpful people. And, and a lot of those people, I mean, some of those people were very established in their careers or in their companies, but some of those people had were like just a year or two ahead of me. And they were able to say, okay, this is like, these are things to anticipate. This is what you should look for. This is a great first hire. Like, and that was invaluable. I mean, having so, that community. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I want to ask you something. What if you could grow your Instagram for your small business in just an hour a day? Does that sound reasonable? Like something you could get on board with? Well, I'm going to get you to a place to make this happen. Taking you from Instagram zero to Instagram hero in less time than it takes you to do your morning workout and make your morning coffee run. Grow your Instagram for your small business bootcamp. My signature class starts on May 2nd and we are over half full. Instagram for business doesn't work like Instagram for personal. And we're going to spend six sessions together setting you up for success on the gram. Plus, as a bonus, you'll get a webinar and a workshop from me on how to repurpose all of your Instagram content across other social media platforms. So no worries. I've got you covered. Instagram for Small Business Bootcamp is for middle-aged female founders who want to focus on their business and need a little extra help on the gram. You will walk away not only able to use, but also to understand how to use Instagram for your business by building a process that will take only one hour a day. You'll get simple step-by-step instructions, processes, and easy strategies to use Instagram for your small business from me an award-winning entrepreneur and marketing expert with over two decades of experience building brands and over a dozen years using social media. I don't want you to spend another minute stuck in the Instagram closet, embarrassed that you simply can't figure it out. Let's fix it. I'm going to hold your hand and walk you step-by-step through exactly what you need to do. We'll get you set up properly, running, and understanding how to apply Instagram basics for business growth. And we're going to do it together. You're also going to walk away from our class, never, ever asking yourself again those five dreadful words, what should I post today? You'll learn what to post, where, when, and why. We'll make reels and you'll learn some of my favorite and very easy strategies for growth. In fact, I had a conversation with a client today that I have been sharing the same information with over the last month. She has about 1,200 followers on Instagram and currently today, as of today. And she said to me, I've grown over 250 followers since I started working with you five weeks ago. That's over 20%. Does this sound like something you could get on board with? Registration is live and the class is filling up fast. Click the link in the show notes. Join me. Let me know if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. This is something that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, actually. So you have this product and you get your first round of product and it's D2C, obviously, but it's sheets. And so I I mean, I very very vividly remember someone telling me about you in the beginning. It was a friend of mine from New York. And I was like, well, but like, how do you buy sheets on the internet? Because Mm -hmm. that's like such a personal purchase, right? How did you get around that? And how did you go out and find customers to transact? So I knew that that was going to be the biggest hurdle for us because I also learned in those early days that 90% of purchases for these products were made offline. There just wasn't a digital market for it. They didn't exist online. Um, You were going to Bed Bath & Beyond. You're going to these like very traditional bricks and mortars locations to buy these products. What worked in our favor was that those 
shopping experiences were less than desirable. Like people weren't like raving about those shopping trips. You know, they were overwhelming <laughs> and frustrating and the plastic. And like, it was not like a fun, it was, it was a commodity purchase. And I was like, this is not a commodity product. Like this is a product that impacts your life. This should be, this is a value. This is like, this is an incredibly um, aesthetic purchase. Like this is so much more than what it's been sold as. Um, I knew that PR, like I didn't have money to do marketing. So I knew that PR was going to be a really important part of our strategy. Um, and I also knew the quality of the product. For me, one of my big insights also was that anyone can sell a product. Like you can convince people to buy products. Like that's what's happened over the past, you know, 15 years on the internet. However, to get people to come back is like a completely different story. And from day one, I knew that our business to be successful would have to be a repeat purchase. It was not a one and done purchase. So I was crazy about the quality, like absolutely obsessed. And so, um, so the quality for me was also like manufacturing in Europe because every extremely premium brand, like, like the top of the line, the thousand dollar sheets, those were all made in Europe. So I felt like to bridge that trust gap, I had to have this premium quality product that was as good as, you know, what you're buying for a bajillion dollars. And I had to have this narrative and the story around heritage and design and, and all of that to build that trust. So, um, yeah, those, those were like my, that was my like trifecta. And and then I used this PR agency to launch and we got great first week press and then we got more press and it just, it built. And, and all of a sudden it went from like two orders a day that I could track from like, I'm like, this is my aunts, cousins, whatever, like, you know, everything had a, had a, had a direct correlation to me. It was like six degrees of separation. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. Had you raised any capital other than the check from the accelerator at this point? No, I, no. I did get a, a small amount of money from um, a friend who was my first investor. He's still involved with the business. Um, and he had a few friends that like put in 5k and like, it was like a, it was a small check, but the accelerator was really that big chunk that got me my first batch of inventory. I literally watched it go into the bank account and then go out the next day. It was like, and that was that. <laughs> well, and I ask you that because you talk about making this big splash with publicity. And I think that's a really hard notion for a lot of founders to do right off the bat, especially if they haven't raised capital. Right. So like if someone so, hasn't like how, like, how do you, what would you tell a founder in terms of justifying that cost? So I, I mean, I had worked in PR and I knew the power of it. Like I just believed in it. I didn't see a path to getting the brand out there without press. So like it, it was a non-negotiable for me. Um, but I, I worked with an agency that also had worked to launch a number of different companies. And we set up a payment structure that was very, founder friendly. Um, and, um, thank you for really saying that because I think that there's a lot of founders out there listening who don't understand or know that that exists. Do you know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, of course. And it and does it's exist. Risk. It's a risk on both ends. You know, they mm -hmm. took a leap of faith. I mean, I, I, I got no's from other PR, from other publicists who were like this, we don't do that. Like it's, you know, you have to pay X amount a month or not. Um, but I found someone at, at Bellare that was an amazing agency and they were, they launched our brand and they took a leap of faith and they worked out a really incredible payment plan for me. And it allowed me to <clears throat> get the business off the ground. And, but I also was very clear with them that like, I know that this is a of the moment moment where I I have limited cash, but like the second I'm able to spend like pay more, like I will, like you know it was it was in good faith, um, but they got incredible press and it it was it was it did everything it needed to do, and all of a sudden we were out there and we were getting 
orders. And when did you know you like had something, you know what I mean? Like, when was it like, Oh my God, like this is real. I created a product that is people love. It was almost instantaneous. So we launched January 16th, 2014 will be nine years um, soon. And so we like have, we, we launched and um, that day we got like five or six press stories and immediately it, it, it jumped. And then the next day we got another three or four stories and it was just like, it, it built. And then, um, those stories, like the way that they're syndicated on like social media, on Facebook or whatever, like those stories had legs. So they were, they continued to be circulated. They continue to drive more press. We also posted them, not that anyone was really following us at that time. Um, and then there was this story about these like direct to consumer sheets in the wall street journal. And that was like, the biggest event ever for us. I was quoted in like a paragraph that was like this big. And all of a sudden we went from like 30 orders a day to selling like inventory that I thought would last us three months in five minutes. Like it was, it was wild. So, but I mean, I think for me, the, the mo- it was these events and these pops were like major and they were like crazy for me to see and watch happen. But it was the response that we got from the customer, I would say, that really was like a, that was the indicator for me that we were onto something. Like, I could not believe the response that we got from people that were like, I've been waiting for a brand like this. Like, I'm, I hate my sheets. I want good sheets. Like, thank you for building this. And it was just like this, like, I see you moment. Um, that was just so cool. Well, congratulations. Oh, thanks. I mean, <laughs> and I'm sure, but I'm, I know that like, as a founder, you don't always just like take a minute and be like, oh my God, like I fucking did this. No, you know what I mean? So and like you did it. Yeah, it is so hard to do it, but like you did it and you just told me I didn't know what I was doing. And like, here you are, you know? So yeah, you should you. be so proud because you have I a brand that proud. people clamor for and they love, you know? And you said something a couple minutes ago, you talked about the success of this brand um, being based on the notion of repeat purchase. And you have extended your brand greatly since the launch of the sheet. So, you know, you talked at the beginning about all the different brand extensions. How did you know, like what was next and how did you kind of decide what the priority was in terms of extending your brand? Because that's a tough thing too, when you have a a product-based brand. So, um, it was slow at the beginning. So I really, I wanted to get product market fit. I wanted to be known for something. I didn't want to start moving into new categories so quickly that it confused the customer. Like I wanted to have one clear story. So we didn't launch into a new category for two years. Like it was a, it was a pretty good amount of time. And then after that, we started rolling them out quicker. Um, but it was a lot of, I mean, I guess that's not true, maybe a year and a half, but, um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of requests early on. I mean, it was also very obvious. Like I knew that bath was going to be next. I originally in my like original pitch deck, I was like first year betting second year bath. Um, it ended up being like a year and a half when bath launched, but, um, bed and bath, like, you know, is a pretty natural extension right. and we were being asked about it. Um, but we also, you know, got asked about pillows, like where to buy the best pillows. Like people all of a sudden quickly looked at us as an authority figure in the space. And so we were like, wait a second, we've sent maybe like a hundred people to go buy these pillows that we don't sell. Like how much money are we losing and leaving on the table? So we started, there was like, there were early indicators that there were categories that were, we were just getting so many questions and requests for that. We were leaving, you know, a lot of money on the table there and, and that would round out and be very, you know, intuitive for the customer to purchase from us. Um, 
but I also hired an incredible chief commercial or chief creative officer who had been designing these products and was a real expert in the space for 20 plus years at the time. And, you know, she had the most impeccable taste. And together we looked at the future of our roadmap and it was, it definitely was a mix of requests and also just, you know, her historical knowledge about what sells and how to create like an assortment and thinking about the merchandising of the products. And, um, so I, I would say it's a, it was a collaborative experience between our team and our customer. <laughs> and then when did you decide it was time to open a store and what has brick and mortar done for your brand? So I knew that retail would be a part of our business from day one. Um, I really believe that because this was a category that historically was almost entirely purchased offline, we would need to get into the retail game. And I also, as someone who was who had a background in building relationships with customer. Like my whole, the whole idea around Parachute was how do you build a relationship with the customer so that they keep coming back? It was so much, it was not about the transaction. And I felt like in store, you could create this parachute world. Like you could inspire and educate and do all the things that build relationships in such a profound and like, extraordinary way um, compared to the online experience, which of course is like, I mean, there's so many benefits to being D2C, you know, you can reach people easier, quicker, all the things, but um, I knew that retail had to be a big part of it. So we, um, in 2015, actually, we did like a little pop-up, we like rented a window in a store on Abbott Kinney in Venice. um, And it, we originally planned to do it for two weeks. We extended it to two months. um, And we just had people on the team. I mean, we were like maybe a team of eight at that point rotate in and everyone got to work. And it was so exciting for everyone to meet customers and to get feedback. And, um, and then when we needed to move out of our office space, um, I decided, you know, the ideal scenario would be that we would move into a place like a a retail or a a commercial space in a retail district that we could put our store in front of our office and just have our first store. And it's a, it's not, we're not the first to do this. It's been done many times, um, but it was awesome. And we found a space um, nearby in Venice as well, which is now still where our flagship store is in Venice. Um, And we had like a 400 square foot little shop in the front with a pony wall and you walked behind a door and that's where our office was. Um, And so we got to hear all of the conversations with the customer and, um, we just saw this incredible um, lift. Like we saw people shopping. We saw people making bigger purchases. We saw a halo effect um, on our e-commerce business in, in LA. And then, you know, we were like, okay, we got to test this again. So we tested, we opened a second store in Portland and saw the same thing. We saw people coming in, them spending more money. We saw this lift in that market. And it just became obvious that just a natural marketing vehicle for especially 100%, for product 100%. And so um but we had real guardrails there like we really wanted to make sure our stores were profitable. We wanted to make sure that they served a purpose that we were really so, I mean we were really selective on our locations. Um we wanted to be where our customers were. So we like were looking at all of our customer data to see where our customers lived so that we were opening in places where we had um where we knew it wouldn't be like there would be a growth, you know, moment and and it would take time for us to ramp but it wouldn't we weren't going into like no man's land for us. You know, we were, we were going to places where people were at least familiar or some people were familiar, not a lot of people. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. 
Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. At the top of the conversation, you talked about how you weren't a mom when you started Parachute, but now you are. I am. So I would love for you to touch a little bit about growing a brand while growing a family. I'm a mom of two. Um, I have a four-year-old, which will be four the next few days and a two-year-old. Um, so you're in it too. Like you're, it's oh, not I'm just like you have it. two no, kids, no, no, like no, no, no. you're I'm, in. I've, <laughs> I've got a four-year-old that's sleeping next to me in my bed. I've got a two-year-old that is becoming a crazy person. I mean, yeah, it, yeah I get it. you know, it's a, they're toddlers. They're really intense. I got married. I raised my first um, large round from a private equity group. Um, I got pregnant, opened a store in New York in one month the life of a founder. So, um, <laughs> yeah, May 2018 was a really a busy one. Um, I mean, it was, I think like, I, I, I mean, prior to motherhood was always something that I, it was really important to me. Um, and I, there was never a question about if I wanted kids, it was just a matter of kind of when, and I, I was eager to, to start a family. And, um, I think for me, I knew when I started my business um, that work would be first, like work was going to come first. Um, And I I feel like I got to a place where I had a team that could allow me to still put work first, but also with support um, and with with like a real partnership around the table. but I mean, it, it, there's, there's no, you know, it's like, there's no, the idea of balance is silly. Like no I, balance. I don't, I don't subscribe to like guilt around my company. I'm like, so proud of what I built my kids. I mean, my son is a little bit young to really fully grasp it. My daughter, you know, is loves going to the parachute store. She loves being in our photo shoots. You can see her, you know, scattered around the website. Um, and she knows that I work and she knows that she always will come first and that I love her, but I, I, you know, I work. And I think it's, um, for me, you know, I had two working parents my entire life. They both still work. Um, and I, it was inspiring for me. Like I, I, I want my daughter to, and, and my son to see what it means to just to follow wait. your dreams. Yeah. Just wait, because as they get older, it's really amazing to watch their eyes open to what you do yeah. and to the experiences. And I get like chills thinking about it. <laughs> well, and the experiences that your experience will end up affording them in terms of just like, connect, like, like meeting people and yeah. like going into the stores and seeing how people react. It's really, it's really an awesome thing for your kids yeah. to, to watch. Yeah, you it's talk- great. And I also do have a lot of, um, I have a lot of amazing other mom founder friends, which has been, you know, having that community has been really helpful. So those mom founder friends are those people that you knew before, or are they people that you kind of grew up alongside with as you grew your business? Or are they just people? It's that- a mix. It's a mix of both. I mean, I, I, I don't only, I mean, I have mom founder friends. I also just, you know, moms that are totally 
working hard all the time and around the clock and crazy hours and big companies and all of that. But yeah, I mean, I have, um, I have a mix and I think I also just gravitate towards like, I mean, I, when I got pregnant, I immediately found a baby group and it was like a working mom's baby group. And, you know, I, 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 I've always been someone that really values community. Um, and especially in the early days of parachute, when I was a sole founder and feeling really lonely, um, and, and really challenged by that, like isolation, um, and the stress that I felt as a result of like bearing all the weight of, um, our success on my back. Um, you know, I, I have always looked to people for support and to commiserate with and to celebrate with and to, you know, build resources and connect with other, you know, it's, it's been really important to my journey. It's been really helpful on my journey. It's also been like imperative for my mental health, like having that kind of community. And that's why we're here. I mean, yeah, really, exactly. like that's why we're here. You know, I mean, <clears throat> it really wasn't until like, I was kind of an accidental founder. It wasn't something that I, I didn't seek to make a product like you did. So it wasn't like I, um, you know, became a founder with a plan. I didn't have one, but when I started connecting with other women who were also founders and moms, very similar to you, I started feeling like, oh my God, I'm not by myself in this world. And it's, it can be lonely and it can be stressful, but you being a founder is being a founder is a really, you know, it's like you, you go between like feeling on top of the world to feeling like lost in the world on a, like sometimes within five daily basis. Like, yeah, it's daily, but sometimes it's like within 30 seconds, you know, it's like, it's crazy how, um, chaotic it can feel in that way. So having people to ground you and having that community to like, keep you focused. You also also talked about the importance of your team and especially Mm -hmm. as you started a family. Yeah. So what does your team look like today? Yeah, so we're about 150 people in our corporate office in our HQ. We've got a really strong um, executive and leadership team and um, incredible department heads who are, you know, running the department groups. And, um, but, you know, I, I think I mentioned like your superpower being like knowing what you know and what you don't know. Like to me, I, I learned that really early on. Like I, I'm a creative, um, I'm a visionary type. Like I'm, I never ex- like excelled in Excel. Like I'm not a, um, I'm, I'm not the numbers person, but I, you know, so I, I've early on had to find people that were trusted and that were, you know, really talented to, to be on the team. And, um, I think for me as someone that like found throughout my various career moves, like I was always wanting to learn and grow being surrounded by people that I learn and grow from every day has been like the greatest gift. It's been like so fun for me to, have people join the team that like are so sharp and are so um, thoughtful in how they think about the brand and brand growth and all of the parts of the pie. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I am the first to raise my hand and say, I don't know how to do this. Like, let's figure out how to do it. Um, I'm also like very comfortable with people saying no. Like, I think that's not the right move for us. And, and being like, I'm like good with that. I actually encourage people to challenge, um, everyone's thinking like we should just be challengers. Um, and yeah, I think having a, a strong team has been so important. I think there was a moment where I had to really like understand that, yeah, asking for help is not a weakness. Um, and I think with like investors, there's like this, there can be this relationship where you like have to pretend everything's perfect. Um, 
And I also, I realized when I didn't do that all the time, um, like I like to say like, here's a challenge. This is how we're thinking about solving it. So it's not like, I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. I'm giving up. But I think there was like, there's this dynamic that people forget about that you have like with investors, for example, like their job is to help you. Like they're like, that's them doing their job. So you have to kind of, you have to let them in to understand what's going on in the business. And we've had really strong investors who um, have different philosophies on growth and, you know, on financial discipline and different things that have been very valuable um, as we've hit different like growth, you know, cycles through the business. What's next? World domination. Um, you know, I mean, I mean certainly seems like it. Certainly, certainly an idea that we talk about. Oh, no, I mean, I think, you know, we, We've done a lot with a little. I mean, I um, I will share this because I think it's it's truly one of the things that I'm most proud of, and I've talked about a lot of things that I'm proud of. But um, you know, we've raised very little capital, all things considered, for the scale that we're in, and raising capital has always been a challenge for me and us as a team, or just as a company. Um, and so we've we've hit significant scale with very little capital. We haven't raised money in over almost five, it'll be five years this summer. Like it's, it's been, we've been so disciplined and there's not another direct to consumer brand that's reached the scale with this little amount of capital. And I think like, that's a story that should be celebrated. And it's so, it just goes to show what you can do with, um, just that hustle mentality. And like, and also with a lot of no's coming at you, it's not like it was my choice per se. Um, but I think, you know, we're really, we're really passionate about being in control of our financial destiny. We're really passionate about building a sustainable brand um, that will be around for our grandkids to enjoy. Um, and, and the products, like we, there's so many products we want to introduce and, you know, we're like, and we were really, we love building relationships with our customer. Like the transaction is so secondary for us. It's really all about building these relationships, um, creating products people love and use and, that make their lives more cozy and happy. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll continue to do more. Well, and when you do that, when you build the relationship and when you connect, people transact. You don't even Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, that, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a layup. But, you know, I think some people, if you focus too much on the transaction, like the, the authenticity piece, I think, is really important um, when you really focus on the relationship in a way that is authentic. Like people, people are so discerning now with their brands that they engage with. And it's like so obvious when someone or some brand is, you know, kind of gimmicky in their tactics and whatever. So um, can you speak at all to your financials? We've passed the 150 million revenue mark. I think it's been a mix of you know, being very disciplined with our marketing and um, also being really disciplined with our margin and and just continuing to stay true to who we are, have a clear point of view and and all of that. It's amazing. Amazing. So before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the exact question I wrap up with everyone on. And that is what are three actionable tips that you would give a founder who's starting out today? Um, trust your instincts. Um, really trust your gut. Like, it's great to get information, but listen to, to yourself. Um, cause you know, best, um, progress over perfection. Um, founders like myself are type a and can be very focused on being perfect all the time. And I think it's all about progress you gotta just keep things moving and hire kind people. Ariel K, founder and CEO of Parachute. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story, your knowledge, your wisdom. This was such a pleasure and I cannot wait to share your story with our community. 
My pleasure. It was so nice talking to you. I told you that there were so many takeaways from today's conversation, and I am sure that you would admit that there were. So for now, I want to share my top five takeaways with you. You're going to want to get out your pen and paper, and you're going to want to sign up for our newsletter, which is linked in the show notes. When you do, you get all of the takeaways from today's episode, plus tips for growing your business sent straight to your inbox each and every week. But for now, here are my top five takeaways. Number one, you'll know when you're onto something when you can't think about anything else, when you feel what you are doing in your bones and you simply can't shake it. Number two, ask for help. People are generous with their time and asking for help isn't a weakness. Knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at is a superpower. Number three, PR is important. If you can generate good PR right out of the gate, it can help set yourself up for some big big successes early on. Number four, look to your consumers and their responses and feedback when making decisions, especially when it comes to product extensions. And number five, being a founder, you go from being on top of the world to being into the depths of the world. It can be really chaotic and really lonely. Having a community to keep you focused matters. So make sure that you find yours. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing all of your thoughts and feedback with us. One recent listener got personal shared on Apple Podcasts the following review. She said, I love that Lindsay is all about supporting women in business and being total rock stars. She is full of so much knowledge and each episode continues to blow me away. How can I give this podcast a 10 out of 5? Thank you so much, Gut Personal, for sharing this, for rating and reviewing us. You have no idea how far this takes us on the Apple Podcast algorithm. When you share your thoughts and your feedback and your ratings and review, it really and truly helps others to find us. And so taking the time to do so, I simply cannot be more appreciative. If you'd love to share your thoughts, please make sure that you go to www.ratethispodcast forward slash dear found her and leave them there. We would love to hear what you have to say. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every single Tuesday and Thursday. 